0: hello sinister citizens thank you for tuning in to another week of sinister soup i'm one of your co-hosts Clive mullen and
1: I, I guess i'm your other co-host travis from mullen.
0: secondary co-host travis from mullen. that is his official title mm-hmm. as of just this second on the podcast so we're <laughs> moving into our bring some culture segment travis what kind of culture you got
1: well, you know what? I was trying to, like, make you feel guilty about calling yourself the main host last week. And that's why I had such a melancholy intro there. But, you know, you
0: didn't even you didn't even care. No, you just didn't. plan right over it. But what's your culture?
1: <laughs> well, I'm Travis and I'm excited to be here, uh, despite my tone, <laughs> what my tone said. Today, for culture, I have a TikToker, um, as I often bring. Mm-hmm. His username is Jake phillips116 jake phillips116 he's a voice actor i don't know what kind of projects he's done because uh, i don't know his real name so i haven't been able to imdb him yet but i'll look that up soon he does a lot of really interesting cool stuff i think uh the thing that drew me to his channel and you're gonna really know why play um is he does a southern like country readings of Shakespeare. <laughs>
0: perfect. It's
1: so good. Um, he's, he's very good at it. And some of the speeches I think are even improved with that sort of accent fed into them. And he got really popular off that. So he started just reading poems in his voiceover voice, which is very good. So he's done a lot of that. He's done some little excerpts from books and his whole channel is basically just short forms of him reading awesome literature from the past. The other week, a user commented on his, his Southern Shakespeare and was like, kind of gatekeeping, kind of being like, you need to stop doing this. This isn't how Shakespeare is supposed to be read. And instead of, you know, basically ignoring the comment, he was just like, okay, if you want it traditionally done, I'll do it traditionally, and just knocked it out of the park, like an old English accent. <laughs> it was like, wow, so nice. he's was very impressive. If you like to hear some cool poems. Or some classic Shakespeare speeches in a different way. Check them out.
0: That sounds pretty fun. Yep, I got an J Design. Uh, she is a digital artist and a you know a painter and just does a lot of really cool uh, floral pattern and tribal type uh, art from Hawaii. Hmm. Um, we found out about her while we were there on our vacation. Uh, we went into this little bookstore. And it's it was, like, the only bookstore in Kauai, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was pretty cool. We, we went there. We got a few, like, Hawaiian books. And then we saw this uh, artist in there, and she happened to be married to the owner of the bookstore. And her work is really cool. Deanna, like, immediately picked up one of her prints and uh, decided to incorporate some of that design into her next tattoo. So it was, like, uh, she's a Japanese Hawaiian artist, and she's got some really cool mergings of those two styles and then uh she just did a lot of really good series. She also does a series of comic books called Mana Girls if mm. you're into uh manga and you can find her at the link in the description but she's got just a lot of really beautiful like floral pattern and tribal mixture art and then also some more Japanese type art and she does a funny series with a the cat that lives in their bookstore. Mm. So it's pretty cool. I would go check her out. Awesome. Eureko J Design.
1: I very well may check out the manga.
0: Yeah. There you go. That's you got a new one. Mana Girls.
1: All right. Well, that is our culture. Make sure you go to those links in the description of the episode. Um, because we know you're not note taking because as a DM. I know that just doesn't happen um, <laughs> <laughs> no. no we are now going to move into our uh forced enthralment uh game that we play every episode for those who haven't listened before forced enrollment is the time when we talk about a specific book or movie we roll a dice whoever rolls lower has to argue against that book or movie whoever rolls higher has to gets to argue for that Booker movie, and we have a trivia question that grants either the asker advantage or the receiver of the question advantage, that advantage being you get to roll twice and take whichever one of the two dice you want. So Clay, what movie are we talking about today?
0: We're talking about The Northman, Robert Eggers' new movie, and uh, also written by Sion who I'm not sure who Sion is, but a fellow writer of The Northmen. This is the story of a young Viking boy whose father is killed when he is a a lad, and he vows to get vengeance. And in true Viking fashion, he's also sort of co-vowing to go to Valhalla, die a warrior's death, and do all those good Viking things. I mean, that's kind of the basic overall starting premise of it without getting into too much because we're going to talk a whole lot about it here in the show but yeah it's really it's basically a classic like viking folk story viking myth that is told through cinema
1: it's it's robert eggers does hamlet
0: it is robert robert uh, eggers (laughs) does hamlet absolutely yeah his name is literally hamlet yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's pretty pretty basic description of it. So, um, here comes your trivia question. Um, Amleth receives a very special sword in the movie that has kind of these fantastical elements that allows us to talk about this movie um, as as being in the fantasy genre. That sword cannot be unsheathed at during the daytime. Um, mm-hmm. In the prophecy, he's kind of told. It can only be unsheathed at night or in the lake of fire, which comes at the end of the film. He tries to unsheath it twice during the rising of the sun and during the daytime throughout the film. Um, One other character tries to unsheath the sword to no avail. I think you get advantage if you can tell me which character by describing them, and you get... Plus five bonus, if you can tell me their name.
0: Oh. Mm -hmm. Was it it Finner, the noseless guy?
1: Yes, it was. Finner, the noseless guy. When Amleth is captured, he tries to pull it out to kill him and just throws it away because he gets so frustrated.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I thought it was him. Yeah, for sure
1: all right i was too easy on you you got plus five and advantage
0: too easy on me the plus five that's a new one well i i guess i didn't think about imdb (laughs) what'd you get
1: uh i got a, a nine
0: okay i'm higher okay
1: cool well your clock sir when you're ready
0: i'm ready starts meow all right well, Robert Eggers is, is one of my favorite directors. Um, the Witch is one of my favorite movies, probably of all time, honestly, because I'm a horror fan. And it really is one of the best horror movies ever made. This movie, you can tell, is made by the same master of cinema. Uh, the way that Robert Eggers immerses you in a story is pretty mind-bending. I mean, I went through that whole movie and there are definitely places where you step out and you kind of see it because it's so epic. You have to like step back from it and see it as like an epic, but he's still so good at telling stories through cinema, through camera movement, through really intense, like (laughs) close-ups and uh, monologues and just really theatrical stuff that normally would annoy me in the movies but he does it in such a way that instead of annoying me it like fully pulls me in to the epicness that a cinematic movie can be. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm usually not a fan of movies like this one. I mean it was like very artsy mixed with super action Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's hard to pull both those things off at the same time. But like the visceral reality that he showed through this movie was so, uh, it was just so like trying to think of the word to describe it (laughs) without visceral again. But (laughs) that that's kind of the word I'm thinking of, you know, it was so visceral and just there and in your face. Like when it showed those pillaging scenes and stuff, I've never seen a movie. I don't think that went into it that thoroughly. And it like really showed the darkness there in that lifestyle. And like, that's your hero in every myth that you've ever read about is like a warrior. And this movie really showed the dark side of war and how it affects people. But while it was doing that, it was still telling a myth. So the character was still kind of that myth figure who's such an archetype, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was really cool how they walked that line effectively. Like, it's really hard to do that and I didn't really think it could be done when the movie started. I was like, eh, I don't know, if I'm gonna like this one. But by the end of it I was like fully engrossed and just thought it was amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh where my contention comes with this film, it's I can't sit here and lie to an audience that Robert Eggers doesn't know how to work a camera. That would just be stupidity. Um so I think I knew going in that I was gonna get a treat for the eyes. Uh, what I expected more of was a feast for the literature geek in me, um, a really good script. And <laughs> the script essentially boils down to a lot of scenes of Alexander Skarsgård screaming. <laughs> and, you know, it was just, probably I like thought, a
0: twelve-page script. <laughs> yeah,
1: I thought it was it was weak in that realm. I thought it just had a lot of. Ura testosterone moments um, really didn't give a whole lot of depth to a story that we're already super used to um, I also think it, it kind of drags in the second act at the end of it and you're kind of hoping and like okay you could have killed this guy like four times why did you wait until now I guess let's just okay move this along scream at some more people um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, visually stunning. I'm, I'm never gonna be able to to say anything else about Eggers, but in The Witch and the Lighthouse, we got a lot of monologue, theatrical dialogue. And you're right, he does, like his style is to take a lot of that overdone theater performance and really, really explore it in a way that is incredibly translatable to film and, and graspable um, by a wider audience. And I think he does that expertly with The Witch in the Lighthouse. I guess because this movie is a more action-driven revenge plot, that method that he usually uses kind of fell through and I think just didn't work. He didn't really have his moments to set up that kind of dialogue and give me that feeling that I was at like a theater performance, but with more intense and intentional visualizations. And so that's that's my argument against it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think he told all the story stuff that you're talking about through the performances of these actors. I mean, you don't need words uh to tell a good story. You need human moments and connection to the characters and I mean, you were definitely very connected to these characters and their struggles, you know. And you could see that like anguish and torment and desire in all of Skarsgård's performances. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of screaming. I'm not going to tell <laughs> nobody, like, not that much screaming in this movie. There's a lot of screaming in this movie. <laughs> but, uh, like, the scene around the fire with the wolves and when his dad takes him in and they start being wolves, I was like, that is such a fascinating glimpse into berserker culture, you know, <laughs> that we don't really uh, see that often. Like, not that real. Mm -hmm. and that was really fascinating fascinating glimpse into some of that culture that is based on reality Mm -hmm. i mean it's crazy so i thought that was amazing i love when i get to see like and eggers is awesome at doing that right like uh showing the true side of history what it was really like like that's his whole thing Mm -hmm. when he tells these stories and despite the fact that this was a myth you definitely got a very real glimpse into what it, what the Viking culture was like. And it's a culture that's so glorified. I love to see uh, the other side of it.
1: Mm-hmm. The, the side that isn't as, as romanticized you're saying. Yeah. I think that's another, like, I don't know, maybe it was like, you're arguing that as a benefit. I, I didn't want to see a romanticized Viking show. I, I'll say that. Cause I mean, I've seen that enough in, in the show Vikings. <laughs> um but, uh, yeah. i think sometimes like especially now when a lot of our own modern history we're trying to struggle through is so grim why did we need this you know because it is it is dark it is a a just a walk through vice that is essentially like what this movie is just a walk through human vice through a historical lens of like how far can people go and still think they're in the right um and i don't know it just was kind of a downer in in a lot of the modern conversation i just don't think it's like a movie i'm i'm drawn to at this moment and maybe that is just a personal thing but yeah i think,
0: I think- it's more of a more of a reality check than a journey through vice it shows how regular this was Mm. that's what i saw because when the when like the dad comes home and stuff everybody's happy to see him he's got his wife and his like normal family and the way he started that the movie that way was perfect Mm -hmm. because it did show you like oh this really idealized child's version of what this kid's father does Mm -hmm. and then the next thing you see it's him doing it and it's like oh man (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's what the dad was like, coming home. oh from.
0: that's what sack in a, a village looks like that's what dad was coming home from all victorious you know mm. and then you eventually yeah no spoilers but you learn some stuff and then you're like oh that makes sense but the uh i love that i love that other look into it and it and that hasn't gone away that's not out of human nature something to keep in mind
1: yeah i mean no it isn't and i mean there's definitely like I say, examples of it today, but I think today we need to have a different standard of filmmaking because we see that in the news, (laughs) you know, because of like modern journalism, there is a lot more morbidity in like how how our daily lives are shown to us. And so horror as a genre and fantasy as a genre can adapt to that of which maybe it is putting too much you know pressure on the shoulders of the creators to not tell the stories they want to tell but i think a lot of that that kind of storytelling revenge plots and stuff isn't really as sought now because we see some really terrible visceral things just in in everyday outlets and stuff and i could go on more but Game of the week. Fourth game of the week. Which is video game of the week? Video game of the week.
0: Go game of the week. What are we doing, play? Skyrim. 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 Y'all probably know about Skyrim. Most people who play video games uh at least know about the Elder Scrolls if they haven't played them themselves, and I think Skyrim was probably one of the ones that reached the largest audience. Yeah.
1: Yep. probably.
0: It was like cuz like Morrowind was hard. if you like you morrowind was awesome but it was hard and those early role-playing games with the choppy graphics and stuff it was uh you really had to want to play morrowind to play morrowind i feel like
1: yeah
0: oblivion was definitely better developed smoother but skyrim ironed out a lot of the problems it had with combat and a decent story but not as good as uh, Skyrim, I didn't think.
1: You mean, oh, Oblivion's not good, as good as Skyrim? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, like you say, it's a, it's a role-playing game, very kind of classically done. For the time it came out, the graphics were next level. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you coming home from, I think you were coming home from college, and you were like, bro, I got to show you this YouTube trailer of, of Skyrim where they have a dragon just like fly in the background as the creator of it is talking like in front of them. And I remember thinking like, wow, that dragon looks so good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh. It
1: it doesn't now, but, (laughs) you know, Um, for the time it was was amazing graphics. Now we have the likes of like Elden Ring and Bloodborne.
0: Um, Yeah, even the Witcher.
1: The Witcher. But I think the game is fun. I would rank it probably second in the, the Elder Scrolls, I think Morrowind is has a the best story and is difficult, so the play is kind of more fun sometimes. I think that's the biggest problem with Skyrim is it's too easy.
0: <laughs> it is so easy to get super OP.
1: Yeah, like, but I mean it's a great enjoyable game. I've played through it maybe seven times. I've done a bunch of different builds, um, and enjoyed all of them. It has the opposite problem, Knights of the Old Republic, where there is different ways to win. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every build has its advantages.
0: Oh, yeah. You can, I mean, there's that guy, one guy on YouTube that played all through the entire Skyrim without killing anybody. Oh, wow. He's like a totally pacifist.
1: That's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember what he was called, but some like peaceful... Peaceful Monk or something of some variety. I think he did all hand-to-hand combat and, like, you know, charm spells and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just got mega powerful at it.
1: What is your, your go-to build? Because I think we have different ones.
0: Oh, I was always definitely, like, sneaky archer. Yeah. I like to sneak around, try to kill as many people without ever getting seen, you know. And mm-hmm. I always played the Dark Brotherhood and the Thieves Guild first, so... Definitely, like, assassin.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was always Fighter's Guild first. Strength build. Big hammer. <laughs> Barbarian type. Much like the Northmen. Um, right. And But I think one of the most fun builds I ever had in the Skyrim was I, I did a Conjuration Wizard.
0: Oh, cool. I haven't yeah. done much of that.
1: That was sweet. Because you could also master weapons. Because you could also, like, summon a bow or summon a sword. Um, and then when you get really good, you can have two conjured creatures oh so yeah I, I would just have like two companions in every battle um it was co- it was a fun one
0: that sounds really fun i think i would do that if i played skyrim again because i did i did once do a battle mage mm-hmm. um and that was really fun i did like uh yeah i think i had like a uh a sword and shield up close or no it wasn't a shield because then you couldn't use magic but i had a i had a mace or something up front I think mm-hmm. I went with the classic mace. But yeah, that was fun. They fixed a lot of... That was like Oblivion's biggest problem, I felt like, was magic was terrible.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Battle magic in particular.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The, like, flamethrower mechanic, instead of you can only shoot fireballs that are super inaccurate,
1: mm-hmm.
0: was a big improvement.
1: Morrowind, too. Magic was, like, really difficult. <laughs>
0: Dude, magic is terrible in Morrowind.
1: It's so hard. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Skyrim's great. I I would make the bold statement to say I don't think I know a single fantasy book author or a fantasy book fan that hasn't like geeked out about Skyrim, like played it for obsessively long hours at some time in their life. I don't think I've ever met one.
0: <laughs> no. I mean, Skyrim is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you haven't played Skyrim <laughs> and you're listening to this show, uh, you obviously like Skyrim-type stuff enough to be listening to this show because we're all about <laughs> fantasy and story, and Skyrim's a great way to tell your own story in an epic fantasy world.
1: Mm-hmm. So definitely
0: yeah. go do it. I mean, each guild has an awesome storyline. It's like playing ten different games in one game. Yeah. We've already talked about our favorite guilds, but yeah, Travis likes the Fighters Guild. I like the Dark Brotherhood Assassin's Guild because mm-hmm. it's all horror-y. <laughs> so of course i do yeah demon horses and stuff it's a good time and
1: i main a barbarian so you know i'm always gonna main a barbarian yeah um, right, right.
0: On. well i uh, go play skyrim it's a fun game we like it indeed what do you think about the northmen for real that hurt dude yeah, yeah, I knew you were gonna like that movie.
1: Oh, like is an understatement. I walked loved out of it. It. that movie, I was ecstatic because you... I have been waiting for this kind of movie since that Brad Pitt Troy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the literature geek in me has been yelling at my TV for so long, like, Stop telling me at the first frame, this is the true story behind the myth. I don't care. The myth is good enough. Lean into it. Yeah. And, and the Northman does. Oh my God, is it good? And like it's full it, myth. It's full myth. It doesn't lean away from those kind of weird, trippy scenes of like riding the ball hall and, and the berserker culture, like you say. That it what an opening action scene to have them like dancing around transforming into what they think to be transforming into wolves yeah. before this battle. Awesome. And Robert Eggers is, it's the most overused, like, phrase for really good directors, but legitimately every frame is a painting.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I would totally, I would love to have a painting of that wolf ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so chilling. Mm-hmm. And, like, not just, like, scary chilling, but also you could feel that, like, letting that animal out that's in every man, you know, mm-hmm. and like, especially if you're going into a battle, like we all have that animal in us somewhere and yeah. watching the process of that coming out and all those actors, like they knocked it out of the park. And rog- Robert Eggers takes, he takes uh, nothing but quality, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, they, they definitely worked until they got that just right. It was an amazing scene.
1: I think you touched on one of my favorite parts of it too though is he shows that mythological like warrior that we've all heard about and becomes romanticized like that's the that's the viking that dude bros are going to the gym and being like yeah i gotta be like a berserker and then he goes from that scene in that first battle where alexander's like biting the throat out of a man and then just a hard cut to all of them like exhausted and puking as people are rounded up and thrown into <laughs> a house that gets like burned to the ground with children in it and it's like oh yeah you want to be a viking this was it
0: <laughs> you know? this was it yeah and it's like you were saying like there's so many where like in vikings for example you don't see a whole lot of rapes in vikings i mean there's a few in there mm-hmm. but this Northman scene it was like That was so real and so terrible and just disgusting. And like when you think about raiding cultures, it's like, yeah, this is what it looked like. Mm -hmm. This is the first movie I've seen really that like really drove that home.
1: Yeah. And I think even like, even the aspects of their culture that can still be adapted of, I guess not
0: adapted, but are still
1: like misunderstood of like the funeral scene. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most beautiful sort of small scenes is at the very end with spoilers ahead when he sees the body of his mother and his, his stepbrother and he like stops and says, I will meet you in Valhalla because you mm-hmm. died by the blade. It's like, yeah. I mean, that's, there isn't this concept of like hell and heaven the same as like, you died by the blade, you go to Valhalla. Yeah, I might've been the one that killed you, but I'll see you up there. <laughs> yeah. Think it just really really used the mythos of the culture to such a beautiful degree
0: yeah it did it did and you definitely like there's beautiful and terrible things in every culture you know Mm -hmm. i mean it doesn't matter what culture you're a big fan of not a not any culture was perfect or really worthy of being super idealized at the end of the day you know
1: Mm
0: -hmm. the incas did human sacrifice like for all the awesome stuff they built in advancements they made, they still did that. The Mm -hmm. Egyptians had slaves, Mm -hmm. you know, they all just like, and that I thought it was amazing how he was able to merge both of those things together. And I do think you're right. Like sort of the mythos, uh, sort of the glue that held them all together was that it was this mythos and this, uh, cultural lens. We were viewing it through Mm -hmm. it very
1: respectfully.
0: Yeah. Very respectfully as, uh, as difficult as it is to respect that subject matter man that's hard to do mm-hmm. and i thought uh they did a master class on it in the Northman*, for sure
1: i think too that one of my arguments i used as a detriment that i actually think is a compliment um and i'm borrowing this from the discussion i had with my friend monica after the movie is that robert edgar's really does know how to show human vice in a way that isn't glorifying human vice mm-hmm. um, he's he's very good at showing like this is what happens when we lose our humanity for sure he did it in the witch with the demon which was a very faithful telling of like a, a christian demon a jewish demon he did it in the lighthouse with kind of the human psyche and how they go crazy being locked up together for too long mm-hmm. i think he's done it with this in in sort of that war culture, like you argued, like you, this is a very, very honest telling of war and revenge. Like this is kind of what those feelings invoke. So yeah, Eggers is, he's just becoming one. He's becoming my favorite man.
0: (laughs) He is super good. I mean, Mm -hmm. very next level.
1: I, I read an interview with him the other day and they, someone asked him, um, will you ever make a movie in modern day? And he said, no, thank you.
0: (laughs) That's great. I don't want him to. I don't either. Um, No. I love these historical movies. And I love that someone's making good ones. Not just good ones, but like masterpieces. Masterpieces. Um, I didn't know that we'd ever see a Viking movie that was like a masterpiece.
1: Yeah, we have now.
0: We have now, I think, yeah. (laughs) Because man, it's hard it's hard to do. It's hard to do it without glorifying it or vilifying it. Yeah and i think he did a good job of walking that line.
1: And i wonder if you'll agree with me. I think one of the reasons he walked that line so well is with the uncle character.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. He was redeemable. Yeah. He was redeemable.
1: Like all at the end of the day, he got away from that raiding life and was just trying to farm. I mean, he still bought slaves, like you can't that get was, away from it all. No, but, he
0: had slaves, yep, for sure.
1: But it was he was a little more redeemable in that he he was just kind of trying to live away from that that life that he used to lead
0: yeah well and he killed the father not really for the kingdom because he then left the kingdom you know Mm -hmm. he wasn't a king for very long it didn't feel like might have been a few years it was kind of hard to tell time jumped around a bit Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't a very long time and then he ended up moving on and you kind of realize that he did it more for his love than for a lust for power. You mm-hmm. know, of course the, uh, the mother was a very interesting character.
1: <laughs> the mother was very, um, to me, a very like Lady Macbeth,
0: very Lady Macbeth. I mean, yeah, like you said, it was kind of like Eggers does Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. It wasn't entirely Hamlet, but it it was Hamlet was like the bones of it. Yeah. Do you know, is this a Norse myth of any kind? From what I
1: what yeah. I've read, yes, it's a Norse story that inspired
0: Shakespeare. Okay, that's what I was wondering. I, I kind of figured that must be the case, right? Yeah, Shakespeare borrowed everything. Yeah. All good writers borrow everything.
1: Mm-hmm. But again, I I love that, like that wasn't how it was marketed, and that isn't even in the like. There's no Troy esque. This is the real story no, <laughs> that no. inspired Hamlet. Like. That turns me off so quick,
0: um, right? Because and... you just can't even say that.
1: No, you can't. Like, you don't know it's true. <laughs> the true story of Troy is the one that Homer wrote, because that's all we have.
0: <laughs> yeah. And in yeah. reality, that was probably just like one co- campaign of millions between those mm-hmm. two groups of people. I mean, mm-hmm. they were going on; they were warring with each other for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. The Greeks and the persian area that what is now turkey yeah they've been fighting with each other forever
1: ever there's one more thing i'd like like to say (laughs) just keep the i could talk about this movie for hours but um i've i loved the um torment the the revenge torment i because when i watched the trailers i was like okay yep i see this but how are they gonna keep that that story long like how how do you draw out a revenge story Because I mean, in Gladiator, you've got, he has to contend with being a slave. With uh, the Patriot, he has to contend with trying to like rally soldiers and get over his son's passing. So with this, I was like, what's gonna be the thing that elongates this story? And there were many opportunities where he could have probably just killed the guy, but I love that Eggers' take on it is, I don't wanna just kill this guy. I wanna make him like suffer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we get this almost horror movie-esque
0: sequence oh, yeah.
1: of, like, night invasions. I really enjoyed that.
0: It was totally horror movie-esque. Um, I mean, I like to play this game called... It was the first thing that popped in my head. There's a board game called Spirit Island, mm-hmm. where you play spirits. We should talk about it on the show sometime. But you play <laughs> spirits, uh, and you're trying to kill the settlers that arrive on your island. You're the nature spirits. Mm-hmm. And there's one called Shadows Flicker Like Flame. And mm-hmm. it is the like, it's like the element of like dark and fear.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you have, so all your powers are just like scaring people away. But it, that was the first thing it made me think of. It's like shadows flicker like flames. <laughs> like actually only killing one or two people, but you're like killing the whole army's morale, mm-hmm. driving mm-hmm. people away. And it was really cool.
1: Yeah, Stellan did it. Stellan's performance was amazing. So it was Anya Taylor joyce
0: Yeah, I mean, you almost this is almost a horror movie.
1: I think in parts it is.
0: It certainly is in in plenty of parts. It was a terrifying movie. It
1: was. (laughs) I mean,
0: the wolf scenes were like those were chilling, man. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the, uh, I mean, the murders were super grisly. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think too. I mean, really uh, again, can just keep talking about it. But like, I love too that Eggers doesn't linger because the the gory parts were gory and were grisly and were hard to watch. But he doesn't. He doesn't creep into that like torture porn area of no. like, Let's keep the camera on this like bursting vein for five minutes. He shows you what you need to see to paint it in your own imagination, and then he cuts the camera away, and you fill in the gaps, and that's worse.
0: Yeah, totally. Like when you heard the little kid get cut down, you heard that just like, yeah. And you're like, oh, is this kid going to be like in half when I look at him? Yeah. Like, probably. And you never even saw that. You just saw his reaction. Mm hmm. He did a lot of that, like just a quick glimpse at it and then cut to the characters. And that's where he stays is like on the characters that are still alive and that are important to the story
1: Mm -hmm. Um, and their reactions to the thing. Because when you see the human react, your mind is just like, "How? what would elicit that in me? Mm."
0: Instead of just look at this (laughs) (laughs) shock value.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you liked it this there's two two shows on our we have our season planned out and there's this was one of the ones on our season that i was like if clayton doesn't like this i i don't know
0: what i'll do you <laughs> still be brothers
1: there's another one on here that we're we're gonna see
0: wait what's the other one do i, I can't tell
1: you do you want to guess
0: nope yep
1: i'm not gonna tell you but there's another one coming that i'm like oh man if he doesn't like this i don't know what I'm gonna I'm gonna like freak out. This whole argument's gonna be yelling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, well you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> should we just be saying the same thing at the same time?
1: Ah uh, yeah 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 yeah. No, go check out the Northmen. Um, be warned. One, if you're a parent and you're like, ooh, should I take my kids to the Northmen? No. no don't do that. <laughs> Two, if you're a person who just doesn't like gore or you know tough dark thematic material yeah d- not the movie it's very hyper violent it is a revenge film um so if you don't like that stuff don't watch the northman not made for you
0: No, um, I- if,
1: if you're fine with that stuff um this is one of the best i'm not even going to say one of the my feelings right now are this is the best um revenge film i've ever seen but
0: clay very, very good what are we rating it? Um, Seven?
1: I wanted an eight, but I will secede to a seven.
0: Yeah, it's not quite a seven for me, or not quite an eight for me. Can't okay. go up to eight.
1: I'll, I'll say a seven. Yep, I'm good yes. with
0: that. Alright, seven out of eight. Yeah. Our highest rated thing so far, Um, but yeah, I mean, seriously, it is about as offensive and violent as possible <laughs> in terms of gore and graphic themes and hard themes like rape and stuff like that so yeah if you if you can't handle that stuff if you don't like that stuff um, that stuff doesn't vibe with you then definitely be wary mm-hmm. but excellent excellent story
1: excellent story excellent telling of a viking myth
0: alright well everything will be in the description and uh, as always I've been Clay Vermolem
1: and I've been Travis Vermolem
0: that we are both still those people. See you next week.
1: Bye.